0: Someone uh, from the community who passes our sign all the time saw how long we were spending on the book of Ruth. And she spoke to one of our church members here and said, you know that's a really short book, right? She said, yeah, but there's a lot in it. And I have found as we've been studying Ruth, there has been a lot in that book, and I hope that you have found that encouraging and beneficial. Today we wrap up our study of Ruth, although we're not going to peer in on Ruth. We're going to read from some other passages and think through some things from the book of Ruth for us on Palm Sunday, looking ahead to Easter. And so we turn to Matthew 21, starting in verse 1. It is the story of this Palm Sunday. begins our journey into Holy Week. The chronology of the Bible shows us that on Palm Sunday, Jesus comes into Jerusalem. On Thursday, He celebrates His Passover with His disciples, and He is betrayed. It is Friday, we call it Good Friday, when He is crucified. And on Sunday, He rises from the dead. Palm Sunday is sort of an anchor for us, because it gets us started on this week of Holy Week. And it is a story of conflict. It's not just a pretty story of shouting and yelling. Though that's a good way for the children to understand it. But as you think about this story now, I want you to think about the conflict going on in that crowd as they cheer. What does the text tell us? When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. A city that was normally only... 8,000 people suddenly has 40,000 people in it for Passover. Crazy town. I mean, all over the place are people in for the celebration. But what is what are they saying when this Jesus comes in? They're saying, "Who is this man?" That is the conflict of Palm Sunday. Because even those in the crowd are conflicted about who he is. Palms are national symbols of peace, or of Israel, or even of victory. And they call Jesus a prophet. It seems clear that most of the crowd thinks that they've got a leader who's going to come and be their king. In fact, probably that same day, or the next day, Pontius Pilate came riding into Jerusalem, but on a war horse. And people yelled and celebrated his entrance. And so, in all likelihood, this is a direct conflict with an entrance of Pilate. And so the people seem to believe that Jesus is a national figure, a prophet that is going to come and guide them out from underneath of Roman oppression. But not everyone in the crowd thinks that. Some people don't know who this is. They're saying, who is this guy? Other, others, we know that the leadership in the Jewish religion is saying, this guy's a scoundrel, we got to get rid of this guy. And in the middle of all this conflict, in the middle of all these different opinions about who Jesus is, sits Jesus, who actually is who he is. And so there's not a lot of conflict in his mind. Now we learn a few things about Jesus. First of all, the emphasis on the text is this idea that the Messiah is coming. Behold, He is coming. The people were looking for a Messiah, someone sent from God. And this is a large part of who Jesus is and how He's described in the Bible. He is one who comes from God, who is Himself God, and comes to the people to save them. This idea of coming is why we celebrate Christmas every year. It's why we emphasize that Jesus becomes flesh. He doesn't just come the way they expect him to, like a leader, but he comes in humility, riding on a donkey. Jesus does not seize the power that he could have. He does not stir up an uprising that maybe he could have stirred up. But he comes in humility. Again, in direct contrast to probably how Pilate came into town. What does he come humbly to do? He comes humbly to save. That's what Hosanna means. Save us. Come save us. But the saving will not happen the way that people think it's going to happen. It's going to come through that humility. It's going to come through Jesus dying on the cross. And some of these same people who are in the crowd now now on Sunday saying, Hosanna, save us, are the same ones that by Friday are going to be yelling, crucify him. Not understanding how Jesus goes to do the saving. And so the question is, the question of Palm Sunday, and it's an interesting one, is why does Jesus go through it? Why does Jesus ride on the donkey? Why does he go through and get praised by so many who really do not understand who he is? He does so because he is worthy of that praise. They may not understand what kind of king he's going to be, but he certainly deserves to be praised as king. They may not understand how he's going to save them, but he is certainly worthy of their praise because he will save them. When you think about Jesus in these terms, the idea of him coming, the idea of him being humble, the idea of him saving, and the idea of him being worthy of praise, you get an interesting connection to the study of the book of Ruth that we've been doing for so many weeks. Jesus is really pretty clearly pictured in the characters of Ruth and Boaz. Now, if you haven't been with us, Quick recap, this woman named Naomi was in a foreign land. She had fled from Jerusalem in a famine. And uh, there had lost her husband and two sons. And so she and her two daughters-in-law are stuck with no men to take care of them in a society where, as single women, they could do very little. One daughter goes back, but the other daughter, Ruth, clings to her. And says, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Let God do terrible things to me. If anything but death separates me from you. And so Ruth goes with Naomi back to Jerusalem. Into a foreign land to her. They meet a great guy named Boaz. Who is a family member of theirs. And his kindness saves this, this, these two young ladies, these two ladies. And then eventually he becomes their redeemer. Because he is a relative... He can pay to buy the land and he can marry Ruth and so continue the lineage for that family. Their son that they have, Ruth and Boaz, is named Obed. He is the grandfather of King David. Now there's several very obvious reasons why we should look at Jesus when we think about Ruth. Think about it. It's a big deal in the scriptures that Jesus is a relative of David. There's a genealogy in two different Gospels to try to connect Jesus to David. And did you know that both genealogies mention Obed and Ruth? That this story is found in the lineage of Jesus. That Jesus is born in Bethlehem. The same place that Obed is born as a relative of David, it seems to me that there's a, an obvious reason that we should maybe look at these connections. And think about how Jesus is pictured in this story. Think about Naomi being clung to by Ruth. Ruth clings to her and follows her. The Bible makes a very big deal about how while we were still sinners, Jesus comes to us. He clings to us. Clings to our own humanity. Just as Boaz was a kinsman who redeemed uh, Ruth. So Jesus becomes our kinsman so that he can be our redeemer. That's the whole story of Christmas. Jesus becomes our kinsman. He becomes flesh. He becomes a person so that he can redeem us from the inside. Jesus comes to us just like Ruth pursues Naomi and just like Boaz comes as a kinsman redeemer. And what about the humility of Ruth and Boaz? They are so humble in their actions, not persistent, not persisting on their own way, willing to do things right and appropriate. They take risks. They are bold, but still they are not self-seeking. What about saving? Ruth and Boaz both really save Naomi. I'm not sure what Naomi would have done in her frailty of, of mourning these losses. She seems at the beginning of the book of Ruth to just be totally devastated and not able to function. And it's Ruth that follows her and takes care of her and goes gleaning in a field. And it's Boaz who redeems them at great personal sacrifice. He has to pay a lot of his own account, of his own expenses, to buy that field and to take care of Ruth. I mean, Ruth leaves her people She takes on the people of Jerusalem even though she knows as a Moabite woman she will be hated. That is the way that Naomi is saved in Ruth and that is the way Jesus saves us through personal sacrifice. He goes through so much on our behalf. And certainly in the book of Ruth, Boaz and Ruth are worthy of praise. In fact, the word worthy is a theme word in the book. When Boaz is introduced, he is a man that is worthy. In the next chapter, he calls Ruth worthy. And in chapter 4, when they are blessed at at, uh, their marriage, they are blessed that they would do worthy things or act worthily. Certainly, Jesus is worthy of our praise. So much more, for he dies for us. I mean, all these facets of Jesus come together for us in the cross. That's why we make such a big deal about Easter. That's why we sit at Palm Sunday and look ahead. I'm going to read the crucifixion story out of Luke 23 right now. And I want you to listen to the same question. The same question of Palm Sunday of who is this man? And see that even at the crucifixion that question is lingering. Luke 23, 32 two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him and when they came to a place that is called the skull there they crucified him and the criminals one on his right and one on his left and Jesus said father forgive them for they know not what they do quite quite humble there and they cast lots to divide his garments and the people stood by watching but the rulers scoffed at him saying he saved others Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do, not, do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence and condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour. As we hear this brutal story. We hear the same. Who is this question lingering? Is he the king? The Christ? The chosen one? Will he save himself? And yet again in the middle of all these conflicting views. We see Jesus living into who he is. And who recognizes it? The thief. And the centurion are the only ones that begin to recognize who He really is. We again see Him coming. I mean, Jesus could have saved Himself. When you can walk on water, when you can feed 5,000 with loaves and fishes, you can get yourself off the cross. Jesus knows the cross is coming. He's been predicting it for a long time. He very intentionally heads to Jerusalem for this purpose. Jesus comes to us to save us. That is why he comes to earth. The whole story hinges on this moment. And though Jesus is in agonizing pain, on the crucifixion you suffocate. Very brutal way to die. Still he remains humble. He prays for forgiveness on those who kill him. As they taunt him to save himself, even though he can save himself, he does not. And He does this all to save us. The man on the cross got it right. We're getting our just due. But He's done nothing. And even that day, that man was with Jesus in paradise. And He is certainly worthy of our praise. Why does Jesus have a a sign over His head that says King of the Jews? It was made as a joke. It was made to taunt Him. But again, he is worthy, worthy. And so we see in the crucifixion this same character of Jesus that we pick up on in the book of Ruth, that we see in Palm Sunday. And the question we must ask is, who is this man? And who is this man to us? I have a story I hope will bring this all together for you. Uh, uh, my wife has a friend from high school, from church, named Lindsay. And uh, Lindsay had a very rare heart disease where she was needing a heart transplant. And uh, so she waited. She waited for about a year until uh, a young, another young lady, at, they're about, she's about 16. Another young lady was in a tragic car accident but was an organ donor. And was able to, to have her heart go to Lindsay. And so Lindsay's life was spared by this other accident. Well, our friend Lindsay was contacted uh, a few years later by the Tyra Banks show. And uh, the show said, would you like to meet your donor parents on the show? And after a lot of debate, Lindsay decided, yeah, yeah, I think I would. So she went on the show and met these Parents whose daughter had died in a car accident, but whose daughter's death had brought life to Lindsay. They actually formed a pretty close relationship. Um, They were involved in her wedding. Uh, Her donor father helped give her away. Kind of as if their daughter's life was pressed forward in Lindsay. At the wedding, they showed a video as kind of a tribute to this other girl who had died in the car accident. Lindsay is a representation in, in my mind of exactly what happens to us. That Jesus gives of himself, of his own life, that we may have life. Except it's not an accident that Jesus does it. It's on purpose. It's intentional. That Jesus could have saved himself, but he humbles himself acting even more worthily, even more humbly than even Ruth and Boaz. Jesus gives him life for us. Our our relative, our Messiah from David, became our kinsman so that he could become our redeemer. And he is certainly worthy of praise. Today, just as Jesus entered Jerusalem, we enter into Holy Week. And the same question still lingers for us. Who is this? Who is Jesus? Is he just a prophet, a troublemaker, a good teacher from the past, or is he our Savior? My prayer is that you would wrestle with who Jesus is throughout this week. That like the centurion and the thief on the cross, you would believe. So that by Easter next Sunday, when the story is completed and death and sin are completely defeated you are ready to give him all the praise that he is truly worthy of. Let us pray. Lord, as we start the road to Holy Week, toward Easter, meet us. Help us to know the real you. The you who is so humble. The you who comes to us to save us. Who, like Ruth and Boaz, give sacrificially of themselves. But we thank you that not even death separated you from us, but death made our bond stronger. May we dwell on this thought and so that when we rise on Easter morning, we may give you all the praise that you are so very worthy of. Amen.